What's up, everybody? How are you? So good to see you. Can you help me say hello to those that are watching on our online campus right now? Hey, guys, we love you. We're glad you can join us. Thank you for doing so. Um, really excited about this series that we've been in. Uh, simplexity. Sometimes things are so simple, they're complex. And creating margin in our life is one of those things that, that I believe is that way. And so we've been talking about that uh, over the last couple of weeks. I'm very passionate about what, we're gonna, what I'm going to share with you today and this whole idea of creating margin in our lives in this area. But in order for you to kind of capture the emotion of what I want to talk about today, I want to set it up by doing this. So will you pay attention to the screens? On June 3rd, 2017, a famous rock climber, Alex Honnold, became the first to ever free solo climb, which means ropeless, to the top of the 3,000-foot-high granite wall, El Capitan. It's over a half a mile in the air. One of the documentary filmmakers said it this way, there's no margin for air. Imagine an Olympic gold medal level athletic achievement, but every single move, every second, you have to be performing perfectly, knowing that if you make a single mistake, you will die. One of his climbing partners put it this way, what he did defied everything that we are trained. Every way that we've been brought up and genetically engineered to think, it is the most unnatural place for a human to be. It took him three hours and 56 minutes and he made it. The reason that I wanted to show you this uh, today, these images today, is because when I watch this, can I just be honest with you? I freak out. I freak out when I watch that. Because it just doesn't look right. Those images that come from the top and you see how far he is and, and how one little move, one misstep could cause him to fall. I was sharing with a friend of mine that I was going to start my message this week with this video. And, and he said, oh, bro, I got to tell you, we used to be in small group together. And he said, there's this guy that we used to be in small group together with as well. And they went to the theater to watch the movie Free Solo. So if you haven't seen it, there's a whole movie made about this. Just be ready because it's going to be emotionally draining. But what he said was this the whole time, this uh, mutual friend of ours was there, he kept like, I can't watch, I can't watch the whole time. And the reason that I wanted to show you that today is because I believe with all of my heart, we've developed a desensitized kind of emotion to another edge that we get dangerously close to all the time. And that has to do with temptations that we face. And so what I want to talk about today is moral margin. When we talk about margin, what is it that, that we're talking about? And I shared this last week. It's the amount available beyond what is necessary. And when we talk about uh, moral margin, I'm talking about the space between you and temptation. We don't think about this enough. We don't talk about this enough. We need to be uh, people that realize how, how precarious life can be and how real temptation is, and then we need to back up from that. And we need to create uh, some space, some moral margin in our lives. I want to start also by going old school. Some of you might remember the, the first Superman, Christopher Reeves. This came out when I was just a little kid. I was nine. came out September 15th, 1978. To spare you the math, I'm 51. However, when you see the scene where he finally learns that, that his superpowers have vulnerability, he finds out, do you remember what it was? Kryptonite. 
Kryptonite just rendered him useless. And there are things in each of our lives that we could describe as kryptonite, things that have the most potential to trip us up, the most potential to be a temptation that for whatever reason, we don't feel as though we have enough strength to overcome. As a matter of fact, Jesus talked about this in what we would call the, the most famous prayer ever prayed, the Lord's Prayer. You might remember in the context of that prayer in Matthew chapter 6, verse 13, Jesus said this when he said, if you're going to pray, pray this way. And do, don't, let, don't let us yield to temptation, but rescue us from the evil one. And we talk a lot about the battle that is real in our lives. In John 10, it, it talks about our enemy's plan to steal, kill, and destroy. In 2 Corinthians chapter 2, the Apostle Paul talked about the evil schemes that our enemy has. Listen, here's the deal. We all have kryptonite in our lives, and what should scare us even more is that our enemy, the enemy of our soul, knows what your kryptonite is. And the enemy's coming after you. And he wants to exploit those areas of vulnerability, and he knows that you are weak there, so that's where he's coming. We all have these areas in our lives. And we know that oftentimes in our own strength, we're ultimately powerless against them. We all have kryptonite. I heard a story about a man who went to see his doctor, and while he was there, he thought that it would be good to also discuss this issue with him. He said, Doc, you know, I've been screwing up a lot lately, and my conscience is getting the best of me. It's been bothering me a lot, so I thought that I would see, in addition to my checkup, if you could help me with this. The doctor said, well, what do, you, what do you expect me to do? Give you something to strengthen your willpower? He said, no, 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 no. I was hoping that you would give me something to weaken my conscience. I think all of us would like from time to time to have something that would weaken our conscience, yet we're living in ways that are weakening our conscience by compromise and getting too close to those areas of temptation. And if you're like me, we know the battle is real. And most of us would love to learn how to be a victor instead of a victim. We really would like to have a place where we could turn temptations into triumphs. And if that's you, because I know it's me too, this weekend is important. Because I want to give you some very practical and easy to do things. But again, remember, simplexity. Sounds simple, but definitely not as simple to do as we would think. That paradox that we talked about so often, and we just started with it a minute ago, John 10, 10, there's two pieces to this battle. The thief's purpose is to steal, kill, and destroy, but Jesus is the one that said these words, and on the other side of that, Jesus was saying that my purpose is to give them a rich and a satisfying life, and so we have this battle that rages in each of us. This battle where the enemy wants to take you down and the Lord wants to help you have a fulfilling and a satisfying life that you could have no other way but in relationship with him. So this conflict is real. Listen to what Paul said when he wrote in Galatians 5. So I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. And then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. The sinful nature wants to do evil. Look, here's the battle again, which is just the opposite of what the Spirit wants. And the Spirit gives us desires that are opposite of what the sinful nature desires. And look, here's the battle. These two forces are constantly fighting each other. Have you ever felt that to be real? I have. We will always have temptations. You're never going to get so spiritual that you don't have temptations in your life. 
But this is where we need to land this weekend because it is true for all of us that when our margin decreases, so does our strength and ability to fight against temptations in our life. So we need to create margin in our lives so that we can handle the temptations that we're going to face. Think about it this way. How often does it seem as though temptations are strongest when we are weakest? That's the enemy. Because he knows when to come, he knows how to exploit, and he knows the areas of vulnerability in us. So when you're tired, when you haven't created margin and space for your relationship with the Lord, it should be no surprise that in those moments, we have the tendency to be the most vulnerable. And we need to talk about this. That's why this is so important. So here's where I want to go with the rest of this weekend. If we're going to create moral margin, here's what we need to do. We need to have strong guardrails in place to help keep us from falling. Don't you love when you're driving in the mountains and the roads are just a little bit windy and there's no guardrail? You're like, that's just stupid. We need guardrails up here. And on the roads where you do see the guardrails, don't you just sometimes feel just a bit more safe? That's the way it needs to be in our lives spiritually too. All too often we get too close to the edge and we need some things to kind of bump us back to where we need to be. <clears throat> so I'm going to get very, very practical now. And my prayer this week has been that we wouldn't just have a, a little conversation about what it looks like for us to put guardrails up in our lives, but rather that this week we would do something a little different. That we would apply some of the things that, that we're going to talk about together. And again, we don't talk about this enough. And here's the other thing that I want to say before I go any further uh, temptations are real for all of us. And it's likely in the conversation that we've had so far that you've even begun to think about some of the areas in your life where you, where you know you're most tempted. And maybe it's been a while since you've really thought about it strategically. But I want to talk about it strategically today. And I want us to get to a place where together we're establishing some some guardrails that will help us. And my main thought for this weekend is this. We need to establish guardrails to alert my conscience. That's what we want to do. So here's our first guardrail. <clears throat> the first guardrail is this. You need to know God's standards. You need to know God's standards. Now here's the thing. This book is incredible. And it's not full of suggestions. This book needs to be a guideline that we use to live our lives by and my fear is this, we don't know it well enough. We don't even know the things that, that the Lord has communicated to us that are gonna help us to have, remember what his objective is, life to the full. And that's why these things are here. And, and oftentimes we may know about it a little bit, but we don't know about it enough. <clears throat> Many of us don't even know the things that Jesus has said. And <clears throat> Jesus is going to give us a great example of this moral margin, this, this guardrail kind of system that we can put up in our lives. And in one of his most famous uh, sermons that he preached in Matthew chapter 5, Jesus said something that helps us to see the implications and the seriousness <clears throat> of these guardrails. Let's look at Matthew chapter 5, verse 27. You have heard the commandment that says you must not commit adultery. We've all heard that, right? You already heard that? You know that's one of the things in the book? Number seven. Number seven of the top ten. Okay. And we know that's true. No, we wouldn't disagree with that. Nobody wants to be in a relationship where one or the other has committed adultery. It, it, it's not good, right? We know that that will be debilitating. But listen to what Jesus says. But I say anyone who even looks at a woman with lust has already committed adultery with her in his heart. Woo! Here's what he said. Here's the line. Step way back 
And just know this, once you get here, it's going to be too easy to fall off that cliff. This is not the only topic that Jesus talks about, these kinds of things, understanding moral margin, but he gives us such a clear example in this when he says, look, back way up, because it doesn't start with the act of committing adultery, it starts here and here. So get very serious about creating moral margin. He's very passionate about this. When Jesus kind of upped the standards that God had communicated, he did this because all sin, doesn't it ultimately start right here in our hearts? And when we've created margin and space for Jesus, then all of a sudden we, we see life different and it feels different. Adultery is the outcome of lust. Murder starts with anger. Chasing riches is about a mindset and a heart set of discontentment and pride. And what Jesus was saying, and what I want to say today is this, take this serious. I believe with all of my heart that there's somebody here today that needs to hear this, either in this room or watching online, that if you put into practice what we're talking about this week, it's going to prevent a lot of heartache. It's going to prevent mistakes from being made that have significant consequences. It's far too easy to fall when you're close to the edge. So do whatever it takes to obey. Establish guardrails to alert my conscience. So we need to know God's standards. Now, the next one I'm going to bring to you from my father. His name was Walt. I wish you guys could have known Walt better. He died a few years ago from Alzheimer's and Parkinson's. But back in the day when dad, dad would spend time with us, every time I would leave after I was with mom and dad, dad would always say this. Hey, kid. Yeah, dad. Watch your backside. And the reason he was saying that is because he knows it can be a tough world out there. There's people that will have it out for you. But in a spiritual context, we need to watch our backside because we have an enemy that's real too. And so often we let our guard down and, and we're exposed in these areas of weakness. We need to stay alert. Temptation is deeply rooted in the desires of our human nature. This very real battle is there. And a couple of, uh, like I think it was last year, we did a series. Some of you will remember on the armor of God. Do you remember that series? And there's a reason why the Apostle Paul challenges us to gear up to go to battle. You're not going to go fight without your gear on. So he says, don't try and live without your armor on. Paul said it this way in Ephesians chapter 6, starting in verse 10. A final word, he said, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on all of God's armor so that you'll be able to stand firm against all the strategies of the devil. For we're not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. Here's what is true. The enemy doesn't want you to know that there's an enemy. He doesn't want you to gear up and be ready to fight. Instead, he wants you to just haphazardly walk through life with your rear guard and your vulnerability there so he can attack whenever he stinking wants to attack. And sometimes we walk through life and we keep getting bombarded by the enemy for whatever reason, not realizing how real that battle really is. We have to live alert. We have to fight. So know God's standards. Watch my backside. Number three, memorize scripture. This is what Jesus did. If you look at the way Jesus fought temptation, he fought it with the word of God. And I want you to see how all these things are building upon one another. Our minds are where the battle is waged and lost the most. So we need to do something different with our minds. 
That's why we need to read the word. That's why we need to memorize the word. You see, when we give in to sin, there is always an internal debate that takes place in our minds. And we compromise. We justify. And then we begin to allow ourselves to get closer and closer to the edge. And then we wonder why we fall. We need to be in a place where we're memorizing the word. The psalmist said this in Psalm 119, 105. There's a different way to live. Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light for my path. You see, we lose the battle many times because we believe a lie, and memorizing scripture is gonna help us to fight this battle. The next guardrail that I would love for you to establish if you don't have this established in your life, it's critical that we do, and that's this. Don't fight alone. Don't fight alone. And really what this shows us is that there's, there's a problem in the church. And there's times probably where we've all been guilty of this. But it shouldn't be this way. So we need to just straighten it out right now. Here's what we think. We think, gosh, if I'm honest, and if I speak of some of the areas that I have weaknesses in my life, I won't be accepted. Maybe I'll be rejected or maybe I'll be judged. So we're just going to stop that right now. Here's what we're going to do. Everybody that realizes and knows that temptation is real, raise your hand. Okay, keep them up, because I want the peer pressure to be so strong for the one that's too cool for school today. If you're at home, I want you to raise your hand right now, too. We are all in this together. So why, then, wouldn't we be all in this together? We need to realize that we're not strong enough to fight these battles alone. As a matter of fact, raise your hand if you've ever felt vulnerable, alone, and know that temptation is real. Just raise your hand. Would it be nice to have partnership in the battle? Raise your hand if that's true. Why don't we? Because the enemy knows this. Just like anybody that's fighting a battle does. If I can isolate you, I can kick your butt. But if you have people standing with you, I'm not going to try. You see, we need to understand how to fight better. And it's important that we know that isolation kills. Now, there's another side to this coin, too. 1 Corinthians 15.33, uh, bad company corrupts good character. 2 Timothy 2.22, flee also youthful lust. 2 Corinthians 6.17, therefore, come out from among unbelievers and separate yourself from them, says the Lord. Don't touch their filthy things. Most of us are not consistently creating moral margin because we're surrounding ourselves by people that don't have moral margin. It just makes sense. This is what mom said this too, right? Careful who you hang out with, birds of a feather. And you get to be like the people you hang out with. Show me your friends and I'll show you your future, right? We've all, we say these things oftentimes to our students and we forget the same thing is true for us. Who is it that you're spending the most time with? Because if you're spending the most time with people that don't have the same moral convictions and the passion to live for Jesus, we're not doing it right. Instead, surround yourself with people that will fight with and for you. If we live like that, things will look different. Instead, recruiting a trusted friend to fight alongside of you. Ecclesiastes 4.12 says it this way, a person standing alone can be attacked and defeated, but two can stand back to back and conquer. Three are even better, for a triple braided cord is not easily broken. 
One of the most common reasons that we don't overcome is because we're trying to overcome on our own, or perhaps too embarrassed to admit that we have weakness. We can't fight this battle alone. Everyone here, everyone, students, listen to me, this is critical, critical. Don't fight alone. The fifth guardrail that I would love for you to put in place is one that I learned from Pastor Gary. You guys know Gary and I have been friends for uh, over 30 years. We were roommates in college together, and <clears throat> several years back, uh, before we were working together here at Plum Creek, uh, Gary was explaining to me something that he had done with uh, one of the men that he meets with, and, and he, he challenged me to do the same. And so I want to challenge you to do this one this week. This is so practical. I really, I double-dog dare you. Okay, number five. This is what you need to do. Contemplate the consequences. Contemplate the consequences. How, how could you do that? What Gary told me I needed to do was to sit down with a pad of paper and a pen and begin to write down all of the people that there would be consequences to if I did something stupid. If I had some kind of a moral failure or did something that, um, would, that, would, uh, that would wreck not only my life but the lives of others just to make an exhaustive list of all of those people. It took me a minute to do that. I mean, multiplied minutes. But the reason that I would challenge you to do this is that I think all too often we get to a place where we make a decision to compromise and we think it's just us. We think it'll just impact us and that's not true. And so I really would encourage you to do that this week. If you would take some time, just maybe as you set a lunch appointment, just you and Jesus and a pad of paper and a pen, go get a cup of coffee, whatever it takes. Sit down by your fireplace in the freezing snow this today and make a list. Just begin to make a list of all the people that there would be impact in their lives if you were to compromise and, and make a mistake. We need to know our consequences and squarely face the realities of our decisions before we compromise. Can I tell you what I believe with all my heart? If you just do that this week, it has the potential to help you avoid an awful lot of pain. It seems like it'd be a good exercise to do. I would challenge you to do it. <clears throat> Again, I want you to see how these guardrails are all building upon each other. And so as we're doing these things and creating this kind of moral, um, moral margin in our life, I want you to see finally what happens is because we're dialed in in a different kind of way, we're spending time connected to the Lord, we're memorizing scripture, we know his standards, we're surrounding ourselves with other people that, that are fighting in this battle as well. <clears throat> We've thought about the consequences. Then number six, what happens is your ears are tuned differently and then you follow God's escape plan because you're hearing his voice. The Apostle Paul said it this way in 1 Corinthians chapter 10. If you think you are standing strong, be careful not to fall. I want to stop there for just a second. You can almost hear my dad yelling, watch your backside. Because don't you think sometimes when we, we are getting overconfident, that's when vulnerability sets in as well? Because you let your guard down. The temptations in your life are no different from what others experience. Wait, do you guys see how this is building, what we've already talked about? Don't think you're the only one fighting the battles, because you're not. Now, our battles might look different. You might be surprised how similar they are. <clears throat> but the temptations in your life are no different from what others experience. And listen, this is the key, and God is faithful, faithful. He will not allow the temptation to be more than you can stand, when you are tempted, he will show you a way out so that you can endure. 
That is a beautiful promise. But it requires that the posture of our heart and our passion for creating moral margin are in place so that we can hear his voice. Sometimes he seems far away, guys, listen, because we have pushed him far away. The deeper we get into temptation, we have to understand that we're also getting further and further away from God. But God does not abandon us. Even in our intense times of temptation, he's right there. And his promise is that he will help us. There will be an opportunity to get out. And so today I wonder, as we've been talking about these things, what has connected with you in terms of just that understanding of um, the importance to make some room for God in our lives this week? I want you to do that. There's lots of ways that we can do it. And whether you're watching online or you're here in the room right now, I've adventured a guess that you've kind of identified or maybe thought about this morning, maybe for the first time in a while, some of those areas of vulnerability in your life because the kryptonite is real. And maybe today would be kind of a checkpoint where you would realize I've been dangerously getting closer and closer to the edge. And temptation is real enough that it should be no surprise a small stumble will send me over the edge. Instead of living in that place, guys, what if we made this conscious decision this week to back up from the edge, to put some moral margin in place in our lives, to implement some of these things that we've talked about and get very intentional, intentional about making room for God this week? I guarantee you what'll happen is if you do that, the battle will get easier. That doesn't mean the battle will go away. Well, you'll be equipped to stand and to fight in a different kind of way when those temptations come. Would you bow your heads for just a moment? So whether you're watching online right now or here in the room, I just wonder what is it that God's been speaking to you about? Where are those areas where you are in this moment vulnerable? And have you been working hard to establish some moral margin so that you're backing up from those temptations. My prayer today is that beginning right now, you would. That you would take this serious. That perhaps you'd go back, maybe even need to listen to the message again and find some things that you can practically do this week. But never forget this, simplexity. Oh, it sounds so easy. We all get it but it's difficult to do and it's gonna take some intentionality. Father, will you help us this week? For many, Lord, we've, we've just gotten used to compromise and we're getting so close to the edge that it sh should be no surprise when we stumble and fall. The enemy likes us to live in that spot because we're so vulnerable. Will you help us this week to create some of these guardrails in our lives that we would be prepared to fight in a more efficient manner. And Lord, I pray you would give us strength this week, unlike any other time, to hear your voice as we create space for you that our minds would be filled with the word of God, understanding your truths and your principles and, and Lord, your standards for living. And we'd surround ourselves by amazing people. We'd watch our backside standing prepared and consider the consequences. And then Lord, listen with intensity to hear your voice to know how to get out of those spots of temptation. Lord, let this be that kind of week. It's in your name we pray.
Amen. Will you stand to your feet? What we want to do now is put an exclamation point on what we've been talking about. And I want you to not just sing this next song from, from just words on a screen. I want you to think about how it connects with what we've talked about. And now I want you to get passionate this week about making room for Jesus in your life. And I want you to see what happens when we do that differently. So today we're not just gonna worship, we're gonna declare some stuff right here in this room and for those of you at home too. So let's sing this, not just to sing, but let's sing with a little passion today. The reminder that this week, guys, we're gonna do it different. Let's create some space for Jesus. And in doing so, let's create some moral margin that'll protect us from making decisions that could wreck our lives. Let's worship together.